Welcome to the audio podcast of The Father's House. We hope and pray you are both challenged and encouraged by this time in the Word. But last week, we had the privilege of hearing from Pastor Rich. Such an incredible word. Um, Yeah, and if you were not here last week, I want to encourage you, watch that message on YouTube because it was one of the best messages I have heard on identity. Absolutely incredible. And what Pastor Rich talked about is that God has a specific design for you and your relationships. You're not an accident. You were created on purpose and for a purpose, and God has a design. And so what is that design? That design is that we were created to flourish in the context of God's family. You're a part of a family. In Jesus Christ, we are now a part of a family. And we are created to live, and our identity was created to be found in the context of the fact that we are sons and daughters of God. That is the main thing that we identify with. I am a part of the family of God. And so we talked about God's design for relationships. And today I want to talk about relationship destinations. Where are your relationships taking you? Because I want to let you know that your relationships are taking you somewhere, but are they taking you the place God wants you to go? That's the question we need to ask today. If we can answer that, we need to first know where does God want us to go? So let's start there. Philippians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, open up Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. This gives us a picture of kind of where, where's the direction, where's the destination God has for us as believers? Um, what should our life look like? Paul says this. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I love that. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it on my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. I love this. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm here today to let you know that you have a call of God on your life. You are not an accident. That's one of the biggest lies of cultures today, that all of this is an accident. No, you were created on purpose and for a purpose. You have a call of God on your life. God is calling you up to something greater. And I love what Paul says here. What is the destination? It's not about being perfect. It's not about arriving. It's actually about progression and movement towards Jesus, becoming more and more like Jesus. Sometimes we oversimplify where we're going as Christians and we simply say, hey, one day in eternity, we're gonna get there. Yes, that is true. But God is also calling you up in this life. God is also calling you somewhere greater in this life, not just in the next life. In fact, in this life as believers, every day, every moment, we are called towards something, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. We are being formed into his image. We are being formed into his likeness. And it's not a perfect journey. It's not about perfection, but it's about going after Jesus. You have a call of God on your life. And it's all about a journey. And and the danger is, if we ever think that we've arrived, like, oh no, I've made it, I've got it, 
we actually stop pursuing after the call of God on our life. Because when you think you've arrived, you stop moving forward. And the goal of Christianity is always forward progression towards Jesus. I want to encourage you today. You might not be where you want to be, but you're not where you used to be. You're doing better than you think. And hopefully, hopefully you look more like Jesus now than you did six months ago or a year ago. And hopefully at the end of our life, we look more like Jesus than we ever did before because the goal is not arrival or perfection. The goal is Jesus, who is the perfecter of our faith. And so we're chasing after Jesus. And what does that let me know? That for a lot of us, we settle at living at a lower level than the best that God has for us. Don't settle. God has a call on your life. He has something great that he wants you to do in this life. You're called. You're called. And I want to let you know that when it comes to the calling of God on your life, you cannot fulfill it alone. You cannot go on this journey alone. In fact, in Genesis 2, after God created Adam, he said this, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. Relationships are not optional. Just like Pastor Rich talked about, we live in a culture where we love to individualize and privatize Christianity in Jesus, but in fact, we were created to do this journey in community. You can't do it alone. Relationships are not optional, but also relationships are not neutral. Either your relationships are pulling you towards the call of God for your life, or they're pulling you away from the call of God for your life. Amos 3 says this, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? What is he saying? When you're walking with someone, before you ever started walking, whether you knew it or not, you are agreeing on the direction that you are walking. Let me ask you this. Are the relationships you're in coming in agreement with the direction God's calling you to go? Or are they pulling you another direction? Or are they pulling you away from the call of God on your life? So I think today what I want to do is simply take an assessment of the relationships we have and ask us, do we have the right relationships to get us to the best that God has for our life? Am I in the right relationships that are pulling the best out of me, the Jesus part out of me, and pulling me towards the call of God on my life? Calling me up, not pulling me down. Pushing me forward, not holding me back. And so today, I want to talk about the three relationships that everybody needs to get to where God wants them to go. This is something we all need. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at a few different New Testament characters that represent the type of relationships we need. So the first one is this. Okay, I'm, I'm turning, there my, turning there in my notes. First one is this. I want to ask you this question. Who is walking ahead of you? Everyone needs a Paul. Everyone needs a Paul. If your name's Paul, shout out to you. We need you. Hi, I'm Paul. Anyone watch Jimmy Neutron back in the day? No. Um, I'm too young and I'm too old. I'm caught in the middle. Um, we all need a Paul. Who is Paul? Well, Paul uh, is, is, is the guy who wrote 14 out of the 27 books of the New Testament. Paul planted 14 of the original churches 
in the early church. He's really the archetype of how we understand biblical doctrine. He kind of set that framework. He set the framework of how we understand what being a Christian is, and he was building on the foundation, which is Jesus. Paul was simply this. He was a role model. Paul was a mentor. Paul was someone who was a little bit further ahead on the journey. He was, he, was, he was a few steps ahead. And you notice that a lot of Paul's writings are letters to the church. And what does he do in those letters? Well, as a mentor, as someone walking ahead, he's encouraging. He's pulling up. He's casting vision. He's speaking truth. He's correcting. He's calling out. Hey, stop doing this. No, you need to start doing this. We all need a Paul in our life. We all need someone who will do that for us. I love right where we left off in Philippians, the verse right after this. Paul says, I don't have it all together. I'm chasing after the call of God on my life. He begins to say this, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many whom, have, whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory is in their shame, with their minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself." And then a few chapters later, he says this, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. We all need a Paul. If we want to get to where God is calling us to go, we need a Paul. We need someone who we can imitate our life after. Someone we could follow. Someone we could look up to as an example where you're like, oh, I have Jesus. I have everything I need in Jesus. Yes, that is true. And that was true for Paul in his time. But even Paul is saying, I'm following Jesus. But as I follow Jesus, you imitate me. Yes, we have the foundation is Jesus. But sometimes we need the framework of those who have gone before us to set an example. Who are you looking up to? Who are you following? Let me say this. It's okay to not know what you're doing. Welcome to the club. A lot of us don't know what we're doing. But it's a beautiful thing when you don't know what you're doing to ask for help and to look for help. But I want to encourage you, be careful on who you look to help from and who you're modeling your life after. Because it's really easy to find information from people online. Hey, here's how you should live your life. That's not having a Paul in your life. You know, I, I, I'm a parent. I have a four-year-old and I have a seven-year-old. Well, he's a six-year-old, about to be seven this week. Um, and I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> they, don't, they don't prepare you well enough for being a parent. Even last night, I was watching Jack sleep and I'm like, God, I, I pray that I'm doing this okay because this is a human life, you know? But I don't really care what online experts on Instagram say about parenting. Like I get sent reels all the time of this is how you should parent. I don't really care. 
show me your grown kids and how they turned out, <laughs> you know, and then I'll take your advice. That's why the community of faith is so important. That's why what's happening here in this room is so important. Because for me, I'm looking to other parents and looking at their kids who are raised and planted in the house, people like the Courtney's or the Leary's, and I'm asking them, hey, what do you do when this happens? How do you parent in this situation? Because I need a Paul in my life. I need someone who's going ahead of me, who can model what it looks like. And that's what we have here in church. Let me say this. If you're simply just watching online, join the service from your home and your PJs on the couch, that's not being a part of the community of faith. Let me, let me take a step even further. You can even show up on Sundays, get dressed, sit in a seat, worship, hear a message, and leave and still not be a part of the community of faith. Who are you connected with? You see, to be a Paul in your life, it cannot just be someone who inspires you. It has to be someone who knows your name, who can call you out, who can pull you up, who can even correct you, who can encourage you. We need those people in our life. That's why if you are not in a small group at all of our campuses, you need to get in a small group. If you don't know what to do, ask for help. If you lack wisdom, James says, ask for wisdom. You'll be given it. Join a small group. Submit your life to someone who's a few steps ahead of you and say, hey, how are you doing it? I want to be like you. And it's not something that happens passively, but it's something that you have to intentionally seek out. We like to be inspired by pastors, but sometimes we don't like to be pastored by pastors. Being pastored usually starts when disagreement comes. I think I should be doing this. The person who's the Paul in your life says, hey, no, you shouldn't be doing that. To show whether or not you're submitted is the decision that you will make after that. Are you submitted? Because if you want to get to where God is calling you to go, you need a Paul in your life. You need someone who's mentoring you. Can I say this to all the young men in the room? Stop looking for what it looks like to be a true man online and on Instagram. And there are so many jokers who are saying, this is what it looks like to be a man. Dude, they don't know you. You don't know them. To me, godly masculinity looks like someone who's been married for over 30 years to one woman, who has planted in the house, shows up, serves, is faithful. I don't care what type of car you drive. I don't care how much money you have. Model your life after someone who you can actually be in connection and contact with. Find a small group. Find a mentor. Get coffee with someone. That's what's available in this space. That's what's available here. Join a small group. If we want to get to where God wants us to go, we need someone walking ahead of us. Number two. Number two is this. Who's walking with you? Everyone needs a Barnabas and everyone needs a Silas. A lot less people named Barnabas and Silas than Paul. 
Who are these guys? Barnabas literally means son of encouragement. That's what his name means. He was a travel companion of Paul, went on many missionary journeys with him. Silas was also a travel companion who was with Paul through thick and thin, good times and bad times. These were Paul's friends. These were, these were the people walking with Paul. What type of friends do you have in your life? This is what the Bible says about friendship. Proverbs 27, 17. Rich shared the scripture last week. Iron sharpen, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So our friendships and relationships are shaping us. The question is, how are they shaping us? Proverbs 13, 20 says this. Whoever walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Who you are walking with is actually shaping you into who you are becoming. I've heard this phrase said a million times growing up in church, and I believe it to be true, even though it's not in the Bible. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. If you want to know if you are headed in the direction that God has for you, look at the five people you are in closest relationship with because you are becoming an amalgamation of those people. Who are your friends shaping you to be? Is it more like Jesus or is it something else? Which direction are your friends pulling you in? Because the type of friends you have will determine the direction you go. What type of friends do you have in this life? It's not that, let me say this. It's not that we can't be friends with people who don't think the same as us. It's not that we can't be friends with people who are unsaved. We know that we are called to be light in the darkness. We cannot do that without relationship. But what I'm saying is, is going back to Amos 3.3, who are you coming into agreement with? What ideas and ideologies are you coming into agreement with? Because if you are coming into agreement with someone who's walking the other direction, more likely than not, you're not going to pull them. They're going to pull you. So you can be friends without being in agreement with. Who are you in close, lifelong relationship with? And that starts with beforehand, we're, we're both deciding we are running in the same direction. When you are walking with someone and you're both running in the same direction after the call of God for your life, that is when you make lifelong friends. Deep, lifelong relationships, lasting relationships. I love this. Ecclesiastes 4 and 9 says this. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. But for if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls for he has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. We need friends who are there for us through thick and through thin. When we're at our best, they're there. And they're there when we're at our worst. Followers are not friends. They will cancel you so quick. We've learned that. But friends are built for adversity. They're there when you're your worst. 
They'll say, hey, no, this is not you. Get up. We have somewhere to go. You can't stay here. But it's crazy how much attention and, and how much of our life we give to followers. And we're living for the approval of the masses when we should be focusing on building a few healthy friendships. You can't be friends with everyone, but you can be friends with a few people who have your back, who call the best, the God, the God side out of you, the Jesus part out of you. Do you have those types of friends? I want to let you know, if not, those types of friends are available in this space. That's what the community of believers is all about. Finding those friendships. We need a Barnabas in our life. When we feel discouraged, when we feel like giving up, this isn't working, I don't think this is the right direction. No, you need a Barnabas to say, no, remember what God did in your life. Remember the things he has for you. People who speak the truth, not lies over us. Say, get up, come on, we have somewhere to go. We need people like Silas in our life. Paul and Silas were traveling together. They were on, they were on a missionary journey and they were preaching the gospel, and because of it, they got thrown into prison. And it says they were in the prison, and it was about midnight. And I just imagine them, them there next to each other, just chained. It's gross. It's dirty. It smells bad, dark. Worst situation. Horrible situation. It's one thing to be in a horrible situation alone. It's a completely different thing to be with a friend. It's something when you get with the homies. You know, it can either be really good or it can be really bad. You need good friends. You see Paul and Silas in that situation together. I just imagine one of them's like, oh man, this is horrible. And the other one's like, we should start singing. Like, what, what are you talking about? Like, dude, we, we should start singing. That would be crazy. Just start singing really loud. Then they both start singing together. Then the Holy Spirit shows up in that Dark situation, the jail cell begins to shake, the prison doors are open, freedom is brought to not just them, but the people around them, the jailer is saved. Why? Because when you have a friend, even in the worst situations, God can turn it around. How do you find those types of friends? I tell this to Jack and Lucy, you have to be that type of friend. If you want good friends, you have to be a good friend. If you want God friends, you have to be the type of friend who pulls the God side out of people. We need friends. We need people who are walking with us to get to where God has called us to go. Choose wisely the people you get close with. Why? Because your future is too valuable. Your life matters too much. The call of God on your life matters too much than to waste it on people who are not going in the same direction as you. If I could be honest, some of you have gone from toxic dating relationship to toxic dating relationship, and you continue to walk around the same mountain over and over, and you find yourself stuck. I want to let you know you have a choice to make. You can either walk with someone who's walking after the same thing you are, or you can continue to stay where you're at. You have the choice. You have the choice. Because I find that a lot of people don't chase after the fullness that God has for them and find themselves stuck or maybe going the other direction. Not because they don't love Jesus 
or because they haven't experienced his presence, but because they have wrong relationships. If you want freedom, you need to have healthy relationships. If you want to get to where God has called you to go, you need to have healthy relationships. Prioritize this. I'm gonna say this, and if you don't like it, you can email Pastor Dave. (laughs) You need to hear me. If you are dating and you're looking for the right person to date, as a believer, you should never date an unbeliever. You should never date an unbeliever. The Bible talks about this. You cannot be unequally yoked. Because that person is going to be pulling you in a different direction than God's best for your life. If you, if you want to find you know, the right person, the type of person you should date, find someone who's more passionate about the call of God on their life than they are about you. That's the type of person you want to date. Because they're going to pull you forward, not hold you back. If I, if, what I would do if you're single and looking, during worship, look how someone worships. If they're passionate, going after it. No, not that you should be trying to date during worship. You should be focusing on Jesus. Who's walking with you? Who's encouraging you? Who's pulling you towards the call of God on your life? We need people walking with us. Relationships are important. Number three, this is the last one. Who's walking behind you? Everyone needs a Timothy. Everyone needs a Timothy. Who is Timothy? Timothy was the person who was Paul's next. He was the person that Paul was pouring into. We talked about this a few weeks ago here in Vacaville in the Beyond series. It didn't start with us and it can't end with us. If we want to get to where God wants us to go in this life, we have to be looking behind us and making sure we're bringing someone with us. We have to be pouring into someone else. Why? Because it can't all be about us. The call of God on my life is not about me. It's about those who are coming after me. Once again, we need to go against this idea that Christianity is individualized, privatized, just me and Jesus. No, this forces us to live beyond ourselves. Our focus should be helping others. This is why Jesus went to the cross. Why we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why? Because he was looking down and said, hey, I want to bring you up to somewhere greater. No, this isn't where you're called to be. I want to call you up. Who are you pouring into? To run well, we have to live beyond ourselves. If we're not pouring into someone else, we've all heard this before, we become like the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is in Israel. It's the lowest point on earth. It has a river flowing in, but no outflow. And because it's always receiving, what's happening is the salinity of the Dead Sea has gotten so great that it cannot support life. Nothing can live in there. If you are not pouring into someone, you will find that your Christian journey cannot support life because it doesn't stop with us. It wasn't created to stop with us. I love what Hebrews 10, 24 says. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Proverbs eleven twenty five says this. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I love that. 
as you are refreshing someone else, you in fact are being refreshed. As we're stirring up the gifts in someone else, God is actually stirring us up and calling us up to somewhere greater. If you want to experience growth in your life, the best way you can do that is by start pouring into someone, calling someone up, making sure that someone's following you. Why? Because it changes your whole way of thinking. When you know that someone is following you, you live different. You can't live the same because you know that you are living a life that is being modeled by someone else. It's like when you have a kid. It changes the way you act, the way that you talk, the things you do. Why? Because it's caught more than it's taught. Someone's following you. So right when you choose to live beyond yourself, you actually go to the next level. So I want to encourage you. If you feel stuck in your Christian walk, if you feel like you've been going around the same mountain over and over, maybe you need to look beyond yourself and start pouring into someone. Maybe you need to start serving. Maybe you need to start leading. Whatever it is, start doing it because your future is determined on it. God's calling you to the next level. And we need to get out of this mindset of consumerism where we show up to church and we take and we take and we receive and we receive, but we never give. There's a difference between being an attender and being a committed member. There's a difference between someone who shows up and attends and an owner. When you pour into someone, when you know someone's walking behind you, you begin to take ownership of it. No longer is it showing up on Sundays like, oh, I wonder what Dave's going to say today. Hopefully it's good. Hopefully they play the song I like. No, when you have someone who you're, who you're, who you, who's following you, all of a sudden when you show up on Sundays, you become an owner. You make sure like, okay, this is going to be the best possible experience for them. You're adding faith to the atmosphere. You're worshiping your guts out even when it's not good. Why? Because you're an owner. God's calling you up. Not that it's not ever good. It's always good. You got someone following you. Who is your Timothy? Who is your Timothy? Let me talk to the generation in the room who's lived a little bit of life. We need you. We need your experience. We need your wisdom. We need your story, your faith story. We cannot be like the culture. You see, the culture just talks about Gen Z. Talks about all the negative things about Gen Z. We cannot just talk about Gen Z. We have to start talking to them. We have to reach out a hand and say, hey, I know it's difficult. I know it's tough, but I believe you have a call of God on your life. No, that's not the way you're called. We need to pull them up. We need to declare the truth over the next generation. Not come in agreement with the lies. We cannot buy into that narrative. We need to reach out, take initiative, and say, hey, I believe God's best for you. No, that's not how you should do it. You should do it this way. Let me say this to the younger generation. You need the older generation. You can't do this on your own. You need someone to model it for you. One of the dangers I'm seeing is that with the younger generation growing up just on the internet from day one, it seems like, 
Because they have so many voices from so many different people, they disregard the voices that are closest to them. Don't trust those people you've never met before and you don't actually see what their life is like. It is a facade what is happening on social media. There are real people who really love Jesus right around you. These are the people you need to be following. These are the people you need to be looking to. Let me say this too, as parents, it is your job and your job alone to parent your kids and to shape your kids. I would encourage you as a youth pastor, don't give your kids phones, please. <laughs> please. You're like, oh, I have all the safety blockers on there. They are pro hackers. <laughs> they are pros. They're, it's like they know how to use phones so far beyond. We gotta protect our kids. We gotta guard them. We gotta take responsibility. Yeah, they might not like it, but it's our responsibility to make sure that they chase after the call of God for their life. We're not going to leave that up to chance. Guard and protect your kids. And if you want to go to the next level, you've got to start pouring into someone. Because that's what Paul did to Timothy. He handed the torch to him. And sometimes it wasn't like, oh, yeah, you're doing great all the time. Sometimes it's like, hey, you need to do better. But he called him up, he handed him the torch, and then Timothy started running. And then Timothy passed it on to someone else. We see generation after generation, and now here we are. We are a part of that lineage. The fact that someone chose to look back and believe and speak truth over and pour into someone else, that is why I'm here, that is why you're here. And now we, have the, we stand at the moment where we can decide either we will pass it on or it will end with us. Your life is too valuable not to pass on the call in which he's given you. And we are here today because of it. I want to encourage you, church, at all of our locations. You have a race to run. You have a call of God on your life. Do not give up. Maybe you've messed up. Maybe you've fallen into hard times. Don't give up. Keep going, keep moving forward, keep pressing on towards the upward call of God on your life. Because you we have had generations of generations who've gone before us, who've run the race well, and now we have that opportunity. I want to end with this scripture. The band's going to come up, Hebrews 12. It says this, do you not see what this means? All of these pioneers who blazed the way, all of these veterans are cheering us on. It means we better get on with it. Strip down, start running, never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, the cross, shame, whatever, and now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through, that it will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Don't give up. Don't give up on God's best for your life. Keep running after it, and I want to let you know this. You are not running alone. 
You have relationship and people who are cheering you on, not just in this room, not just in this context, but those who have gone before us in heaven, the saints, they're cheering you on right now. They're saying, come on, you got it. You can do this. I believe in you. Yeah, even when you mess up, they're saying, get up, get up. Come on, run after the call. They're cheering you on. And more than that, Jesus is running with you. He's running before you. He's running behind you. He's there in the good, the bad. Jesus is running with you. Don't give up. God is calling you up to something greater. So we got to keep on running. We got to keep on running. God's best is still available for you. Don't give up. Keep on running. Don't run alone. The campuses, you can be dismissed. Here in the room, I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. First, I want to ask this question. Are, is your life headed in the direction God wants you to go? Let me say it this way. Have you given Jesus your life completely? Are you still living for yourself or have you given him your life completely? Do you know where you're gonna end up in eternity? Are you running, running towards heaven or are you running towards hell? Today you have an opportunity to give your life to Jesus and he wants to transform you from the inside out. He wants to call you up into a new way of living. He wants to offer you forgiveness he wants to break off all shame and he wants a relationship with you. How do we do this? It says we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouth. For more information on our church, log on to our website at tfh.org or check out the TFH app.